a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Alpine Stars Protects on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast, presented by Maxis and Alpine Stars. Thanks for listening, everybody. I guess... Uh, I guess I'm going freestyle now. Link Coggle podcast uh, a week ago or so, and now Bo Bamberg. Yeah, another freestyle guy. Uh, Bo is a super talented dude on the Nitro Circus Tour, and he's got a real cool story on how he got involved in it and everything else. And we also geek out over Van Halen and our love for, for Sammy and for Eddie and all things Van Halen. So, yeah, maybe I'll just uh, I'll start freestyle moto pod. Because that's what I am. I'm gnarly, like those guys. But uh, thanks to Fly Racing, flyracing.com. 2019 gear is out now. Fantastic company. Great stuff, uh, as usual. Great additions to their lines. They've added some features. They've redesigned some uh, legs and knees in their pants to work. And each year, they continue to elevate their game. Flyracing.com, please check them out. They've got some real cool things, including a new mid-level boot. If you aren't quite in the, um, have the means to get a Tech 10 or a uh, Garnet or whatever, then, you know, for sure the FR5 from Fly Racing dual hinge boot could be something that you could, uh, could look at. Also, too, Alpine Stars, uh, speaking of the boots, Alpine Stars, the Tech 10, the most advanced boot in motocross, uh, the A4 chest protector, the A1 chest protector. Uh, these guys are simply in the business of protecting motocrossers and they do a great job of it you know the name alpine stars you know the quality i took a tour in italy of alpine stars phenomenal uh, r&d um place and uh, they really really care about racers and put a lot of money into their products so please check out alpine stars protects also too, maxis tires the mxst tires are out now doing well developed by jeremy mcgrath and uh, we've gotten good reviews on these things i think there's gonna be some guys running them in supercross next year maxis.com whether it's your mountain bike and by the way their mountain bike tires apparently are the bomb is from what i've heard from my mountain bike buddies and uh so mountain bike tires light truck truck like truck tires trailers uh utvs all sorts of things maxis tires will have you hooking up grabbing the whole shot and taking off maxis.com for more on those guys uh thanks to those uh people for coming on board fly racing maxis alpine stars and thanks to you people for listening also too by the way hope you like my freestyle motocross career uh podcast career that's starting out now uh i'm kidding but uh bo's an interesting guy and really cool to get a, a, a sort of a different look at his deal and his life and how he's making money and how the Nitro Circus thing is going and how he got into freestyle and motocross and everything else. And then, like I said, lots of Van Halen talk at the end. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. On to Bo Bamberg. 
And as I was saying, happy to have on the uh, Fly Racing Racer X podcast show presented by Maxis and Alpine Stars, a guy that's been around the freestyle motocross game for a long time, done a lot of cool things, and can absolutely shred on the guitar, Bo Bamberg. What's up, Bo? How are you, man? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Like, uh, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Um, you know, long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> well, just wait till we're done before you actually, whether you actually like it or not. That's it. Just, just wait until yeah, we'll make it fun, man. Um, hey, so uh, before we get into the, the guitar stuff and sort of your upbringing and everything else, you were on the Nitro Circus uh, tour. That's where I first saw you in Vegas many years ago. How do you like that? How does that work? Um, how much traveling is involved in that? Oh, I love it. First of all, it's a, uh, it's a dream come true. You know, like I get paid to basically hang out with my friends and jump motorcycles. So, uh, it, it's, you know, you can't beat it. Uh, I've had several other jobs and it sure beats that. So, <laughs> um, it's really cool, man. It's, it's a great tour. We're about to start tour this week, mm-hmm. actually up in Montreal. Um, I fly up there, uh, tomorrow actually. So to start this thing off Friday Yep. and, uh, no, we're starting our North American tour. Have a bunch of stops and uh, check out the schedule on NitroCircus.com. Yeah, see if we're coming to a city near you. Yeah, we've had Travis on the Pulp Show. Uh, talked to Kurt Nickel a few times. Even Andy Bell back in the day. We talked to him a little bit about it. Um, I've been to th- two of them, three of them, and they're fantastic shows. Uh, they're absolutely amazing. Everything's going on at once, and everything's happening at once. Um, and I think I saw you. I think you did the backflip with two other people on the bike at the one show I saw one time. It was nuts. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's something I uh, I did for a while. We, we don't really have that in the show anymore. We've kind of moved on to bigger and well, more dangerous things, if, if you can believe that. But. <laughs> yeah, you probably got someone hurt, Bamberg. It's amazing. You just pull these people out of the ground. Not me. <laughs> Honestly, man, I have a 100%, uh, 100% success rate with mm-hmm. that trick. Um, I don't know how, but it just, <laughs> it just somehow worked out for me. Um, um, there's another guy, I'm not going to mention any names, if you've seen any videos, uh, if you ever see anybody or videos of people crashing that trick, that's not me. It's not you. Okay, good. Good to know. No. Um, so, <laughs> how much does it keep you busy? How many tour stops you do, and and uh, and how, how does it? How busy are you traveling? Man, it keeps me really busy. You know, I mean, there's there's been years where, um, and we kind of pulled it back a little bit this year. We're not touring as much as we had in the okay. past, but I mean, there's been years where I've literally there's been two or three years where I think I've counted and I've slept in my own bed, I think 30 times throughout the year. Really? In a whole year? Yeah. Wow. In a whole year. Yeah. So I'm, Jeez. I'm on the road quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's your income. That's it. That That's it right there. That's how you, that's how you make a living. Nitro. Uh, yeah, I, that's how I've made a living since, uh, well, 2003, I, I was doing from the year 2000 till 2003. When I started freestyle in 2000, I was still working construction. Mm-hmm. And so I was just doing that, um, doing the IFMA events and whatever else came up on the weekends. So I'd work during the week, usually like Monday through Thursday, fly out Thursday or Friday, go do you know a couple events yeah. on the weekend, and then fly back and work construction. And then uh, I started getting a little bit of sponsor money coming in uh, at about 2002, 2003. And uh, once, I, once I started, I had enough sponsor money coming in to, you know, kind of equal what I was making at your working construction. Yeah. I, I just quit the construction thing and concentrated on freestyle right. the full time. Um, so the nitro thing, uh, what's involved in that for you? Like, do you have a set 
hey, Bo, uh, you're going out, you're doing this, 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 and this trick, and then you're done for the night, or... Uh, again, I've been to a couple of them, but I can't exactly remember them. Are they like, "Hey, we need you for twenty minutes a night," or and you you're going to do these tricks that you that you know like the back of your hand, or are you trying to do new stuff? And how does that work, sort of for for a night of nitro circus from night to night, from town to town? Do you have a set thing you do? Yeah, yeah, we do, and I actually um, for some of the tours I'm in charge of that. Oh, so okay. I kind of get the rider list together. I ask all the riders what tricks they can do. I've been around all these guys for so long. Mm -hmm. I know who can do what and what looks cool, like their best tricks, you know? So I kind of ride it out. We start off with, you know, kind of like your basic freestyle upright tricks. I mean, and and none of it's basic. I mean, yeah, of of course. Yeah. Basic for you, but but, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, kind of the older school stuff, you know, we start out with simpler stuff like you know, heel clickers and knack-knacks and, uh, you know, seat grabs, stuff like that. And then the whole show just pro- progresses and progresses until, you know, we get to stuff that yeah. that sometimes are world's first. Like, you, you know, night to night, you never know what's going to happen. Um, like, the first part of the show is pretty much set the same. Yep. And we have, you know, guys, you know, it's all choreographed. We all know what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And then uh, sometimes towards the end of the night, you know, you'll get – if somebody will learn a new trick or, or be, be working on something and they're like, okay, tonight's the night. I want to try this tonight. And, you know, it gets to the point where they're doing double backflips and front flips and, you know, double grab backflips and just crazy, crazy stuff that's uh, just out of control, you know. Um, yeah, that's kind of cool. Are you ever on the tricycle or in the cooler going down the mega ramps? <laughs> No, I get into the cooler quite a bit after the show. Okay. It's a cooler. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have wheels on it, and it's got uh, oh, uh, some brown sucks. bottles with You're right, right. Some adult beverages, maybe. Um, <laughs> so, uh, let's. This is interesting to me. It's just fascinating to me. Uh, I don't know. So, take me through like a night, a day, and in nitro, like you're you're in a city. When are you waking up? When you go into the venue, what? How much are you on, or when are you on? When are you meeting? All that. Take us through that if you can. Yeah. So basically, um, like say this next this next week when we start, you know, I'll fly into Montreal, mm-hmm. um, and then basically uh, meet up with everybody. You know, we usually sit in the lobby of the hotel, or you know, find a bar somewhere, or a restaurant, or whatever, and kind of go over what we're going to do and and what this tour is going to be like, and and blah blah blah. So anyway, the next day we wake up, you know, anywhere. It just depends on your personal schedule, mm-hmm. but um, we usually have to head over to the venue at about noon. Okay. Um, for practice, it's anywhere between, you know, it just depends on the building and our travel schedule. Because after we fly into this first one, we'll be on tour buses the whole time. Okay. So it kind of really just depends on when the tour bus gets into town. Yep. So usually we have practice around 3 o'clock, or like anywhere from 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock, something like that. We mm-hmm. practice, you know, just warm up. I'm sure at this first show we'll get a little extra practice to yeah. get everybody, you know, used to the ramps and stuff again. But then we, uh, you know, get there to the venue, do a little bit of practice, figure everything out, kind of loosen up, and then uh, basically just like anything else, man, you sit around for a while and you wait for the crowd to come in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always, always bring a guitar with me, you- so you'll always just find me in the locker room just kind of strumming on the guitar yeah. and uh right so, but, but you don't after practice or, or, after, after practice you're not getting you're not going back to the hotel or, or napping or anything you're, you're in the venue for the rest of the day yeah we're in the venue for the rest of the day yeah. pretty much i mean it just depends really how close the hotel is or yeah, if the yeah. tour, you know the tour buses are in the parking lot right some people will go out there and maybe take a nap or whatever but you know i i don't know once once i get up in the day mm-hmm. it's it's go time for me i 
I'm not one of those guys that likes to go take a nap or right, right. likes to reset. You know, right. like once I'm up, I'm up. Um. So, uh, and then how much do you ride during the night? How many times? Uh, pretty much the whole show. I mean, you know, we have on this tour we have the Gigano ramp yep. and the freestyle motocross ramps. So it's you know we kind of take turns. Like we'll go first or they'll go first. You know, and then yep. us, and then you know we switch back and forth. And then there's a time of the show called all in okay, or just everything. It's kind of chaos where the gigantic ramp uh, and all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I just pretty much ride all like throughout the whole entire show. You right. know, we have sections throughout the whole show that, that, like I said, just pro- keep progressing and keep progressing. Yeah, yeah. So the yeah. first kind of, the first part of the show is a little bit of a warm up for us. And then as the night goes on, it gets pretty intense. Right. Now, the first one I went to, Travis Pastrana, he did a lot, did a lot of tricks, wrote a lot. The second one I went to, he was more of the ringleader. I just think injuries are catching up to him and, and his busy schedule and all of that. So he stepped back a little bit. But what's he like to be around as a freestyle? I mean, you know, we I just had a Link Loggle, Link Loggle uh, on the show and um, – you know, talked about Pastrana and how he changed the game and how they elevated freestyle in the, you know, late nineties uh, and all of that. And I mean, what's he, what's he like to have around now to be around now? Dangerous. <laughs> he's as dangerous as ever because he's always trying to get people to do crazy stuff. And I think because he stepped back a little bit, you know, he's trying to like pawn off his ideas on other people. Like, Hey, I was thinking of this. Um, uh, maybe you should try it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so Bo. Hey, Bo. Get people to do like crazy <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Um, and like, I'm the old guy on tour. You yeah. Know? yeah. Like, I'm the, like, you know, I'm, I'm really am the oldest guy on tour. So yeah. I have no problem telling him no. <laughs> like, I'm just like, no, not me. Go talk to the kids. I'm, right. Don't talk to me about that yeah. shit. Yeah. I, I, those days are over for me. Um, do you have to sit yeah. the ramps up or anything like that? Is everything done when you get there or after the show? No, we have a great crew, yep. man. We have a great crew that travels with us, you know, and, uh, Everything's set up by the time we get there. Yep. I mean, it's very, very rare yep. that by the time we get to the venue yep. and it's practice time, that those guys aren't set up. How worried are you? About the landing. Right. Yeah. How worried are you about your bike and things in, in the semis and traveling? Because, you know, one one thing that, that gets overlooked and you jump on your bike. And I mean, how, how worried are you about that kind of stuff uh, before you? Uh, I'm really not. No. Nope. And I've been doing this for a long time and we have a great, great mechanics on tour. They okay. take care of everything, you know, as far as like. Fork pressure, yeah. uh, tire pressure. Um, oh, okay. They change our oil. All They'll right. do top ends if we need. Like a, you yeah, know, yeah. they help guys on the two strokes with jetting. Right. With whatever whatever we need. Yeah. That I mean, that's the last of my worries. To be honest with you, to, when I get on my bike. Yeah. You know, every now and then, like I'll, you know, your grip will start to slide or come loose or what. You know what I mean? Whatever. Like, yeah. Stupid yeah. like that. But like, it's I don't have to worry about gas being in my bike, my tires being right, my fork pressure being right. I don't have to worry about any of that. Right. Like our mechanics are great. Um, well, that's good to know. Hey, so, and we're going to get to the guitar part of it and everything else, but it's a little bit of like a rock star touring. You're in these tour buses. You're going city to city. You're, you're probably waking up at different points and being like, where am I? What's going on? Uh, does it get oh, a bit I monotonous? I wake up all the time and don't know where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you got a, you got a wife and kids at home? No, no. Uh, I do have kids. Okay. Um, not a wife anymore. I, I, I was smart and uh, got rid of that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's you're you're on you're away from them. You're away from these people that you like, yeah. love and everything. Yeah, I'm sure that yeah. has a lot to do with it. But um, yeah, no. I'm just uh, I, I have an amazing girlfriend now, um, who's who's great and mm-hmm. loves to come to shows and right. likes what I do. And 
Right. Um, yeah, two kids uh, back home in Oregon, yep. and uh, they're they're also you know they they love coming to shows and um, they like what I do. And you, I don't you don't have to give us any numbers, but is this a good living for you? Is is this do well? I mean, what where are we at with this kind of stuff? Oh, I've made a living. Yeah, like, yeah. I've I've been. I've been, I've been doing all right. I I can pay my bills. Right. Good. Good. Yeah. No. It's... You know, sometimes you know you get hurt or whatever, and mm-hmm. you know there's no real kind of insurance for, for. I mean, you know, obviously we have health insurance. We have to. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, you know, it's just like anything else. When you get hurt, there's no, there's no like other plan. No. You know to to uh, take care of bills and whatever. You know so. Basically, I just try to not be stupid with my money and yeah. try to save a little bit at least, you know, because I, I've, I've been hurt before. I've been through it Yeah, um, several times, just like anyone in this industry, uh-huh. anyone in this profession, anybody that rides dirt bikes for yeah. a living. You, what? you know, I, I always tell people it's not if, but it's when you're going to get hurt and how bad, mm-hmm. because it's going to happen. That's mm-hmm. all there is to it. I always think like, and, you know, we go to these supercrosses every weekend and the triple jump is often the easiest jump for these guys. And and they just they do and they knock it out in their sleep, and it's sixty seven feet, and then something happens like Zach Bell screws up or a bike locks up and a guy gets seriously hurt, and you know you guys and you yourself make these tricks look so easy, but I mean it's not it's not hyperbole to say that hyperbole I should say um, to that you're risking your life every night and these these tricks are easy for you, but if something the littlest thing goes wrong because you're on night four. Of of a four shows and five night thing, you know things can go really wrong fast, and 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 I think maybe people don't realize that, but that's got to be a gnarly feeling. Yeah, they really don't realize that, and it, I mean it is tough, you know. Like we, we, like I said, we pretty much do the same things every night. Our shows choreographed. Yeah. Somebody wants to try something new, unless they're confident, mm-hmm. and then but things do go bad. You know, we're jumping, you know, seventy five, eighty feet, mm-hmm. and a lot of times we're jumping in trains or next to each other. Yeah. You know, we do a part in the show called the Nitro Bomb where we jump three people wide, sometimes off, like, two people off the same ramp at the same time. Yeah. And we're doing backflips. And there's a, you know, we're so close that, you know, I usually jump, um, since kind of like I'm in charge, I get to pick who I okay. get to jump next to. Yeah. So I kind of pick, like, the like the guys <laughs> that I know yeah. are dialed, you know, right. like the Mike Mason or Adam Jones or whoever. Yeah. But we're so close jumping 80 feet backflipping that during the nitro bomb, we reach over and give each other a high five while we're upside down. Yeah. That's how close we are. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it, it, you guys make it look so easy, but man, it's got to be, you know, and you're, you're, like I said, you're, you're not, you don't have a lot of sleep sometimes, and it's another city, and, and it's easy to let your concentration lapse for a second, and then shit goes sideways, right? But, oh, uh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it happens with anything. And yeah. like you were talking about, like mechanical failures, I mean, yeah. there's always stuff that's out of your control. Mm hmm. Like you get a flat tire yeah. or something just you know off the wall happens, right? Right. right. But I think it's I think it's different. I think I I honestly believe that freestyle is a lot safer than racing because most of the time you're out there by yourself, you're only doing what you know you can do, what you're comfortable with. You don't have guys pressuring you, you know. It, you don't have twenty guys going into a first turn as fast as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like you say, yeah, like yeah, when, yeah. you know, you could have the best racer in the world, and no matter how good he is, like. Bad things are going to happen yeah. when you're pushing it that hard all the time. Yep, yep. And like I said, like, you know, every now and then somebody might be a little hungover or whatever at a show doing freestyle, <laughs> but like I said, you're like, it's you're doing what you are comfortable doing and you're out there by yourself, kind yeah, of. Yeah. 
It's like not necessarily in nitro because we do a lot of trains and we do side by stuff, but you're not battling and yeah. trying to push, trying to beat someone else or like 20 guys. Hey, yep. you know, like, you know, if you're in a race and you get a hole shot, all of a sudden they're like, Oh shit, the pressure's on. Like yeah. there's 20 or 40 guys behind me. I, I have to push. And in freestyle, it's really not like that. Like I've never felt like it's like that. I've always just kind of done what I can do and that's it. You know, I've, I've never been like, well, I guess that's not true. I've, I have tried tricks before, just like, oh, I have this in my head. I think it'll work. <laughs> I think it'll do it. it. Right, right. Yeah, it bites me in the ass, but, um, but you it, always it's gotta, really a lot mellower. You always got to watch out for Mason. He's the one that causes trouble. Uh, yeah, he's, he, well, he's getting older now. You know? <laughs> I think his, the trouble went away with his hair. Yeah, yeah. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, what's... What's a couple of stops, and, and look, they all blend together, I'm sure, after after a time, Bo, but what's a couple of stops uh, on the tour over the years that you've been like, holy shit, like, these guys are into it, like, sold out, like, freaking out, like, have there been a couple of cities or stops where they absolutely love Nitro, and you're surprised? Yeah, 100%, man, and, and honestly, when we go to Europe, and we go to Australia, we go to New Zealand, like those fans are insane. Like they have no inhibitions. They're not worried about being cool and they're like too cool to cheer for you. I mean, you know what those overseas supercrosses are like, you know, like yeah. we've, we've all done like, you know, the Barcelona supercross and all yeah. like all those supercrosses back in the day. Yep. And you, I mean, you literally have fans showing up with chainsaws <laughs> yeah. like without the blade and yeah. the, you know, without the bar on them. Yeah. And the, I mean, they, they are not afraid to get rowdy and cheer. And Edgar's, and that's Edgar's that's, those are the best places in the world for me to go to. Um, and Edgar's rapping and and beatboxing and exactly sprinkler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's uh, so more so it's Europe than than over here, than North America for nitro. Like that's yeah, really. As far as like yeah. crowds go, yeah, yeah. you know what really really surprised me, man, is uh, Japan. We oh, went yeah? to Japan and did a couple of the baseball stadiums over there. Okay. And we were all kind of thinking, like, you know, when we first got there, I could not believe how polite everyone was in Japan and how nice everyone was. Yeah. Because I'd went to China before that. And to be honest with you, man, everyone was super rude, and Uh they have no concept of personal space or lines or, like, just common courtesy. (laughs) Yeah. And I kind of thought Japan, like, not, you know, not to, like, sound like I'm trying to stereotype Asian people, but I kind of thought it was going to be the same way. Yeah. And when we got there, man, I couldn't have, I couldn't have been more surprised and just, I couldn't have been more pumped with how rad that place was. Oh, that's cool. And the crowd was insane. Yeah. They yeah. were nuts. They went crazy for us the whole time. Wow. Oh, that's neat. That's good to hear. Um, look, you grew up, you've been in X games a bunch. Um, I'm sure you grew up doing contests. Um, now you're not doing any contests. You're you know you're doing these, these shows the demos Nitro is a demo and that do you miss the competitiveness of it at all a little bit do you miss that um, ranking let's say at all because this is I mean at the end of the night it's it's a good job Bo and good job Mason and all you guys but you know there's no competitiveness to it and we all started riding dirt bikes I think because we all were competitive at some point um, are you over that do you, doesn't bother you anymore um no i was I, you know what's funny i was actually just thinking about this yesterday and thinking about how i missed in in a really weird kind of way uh-huh. i missed going to contests and not knowing what we we're getting into like yeah, yeah. You, you don't know what the course is going to be like back, like back when we had real big courses with dirt jumps and yeah 
some, you know, we didn't, it wasn't just your standard 75 foot ramp. It was like, uh, well, this dirt jump over here is like 90 feet. This one's 100 feet. Yep. This one's 83 feet. Yeah. This one's 60 feet. <laughs> right. Like, go figure it out. Right. And we had to put a run together, and it was nerve wracking at the time. And you would show up to some of these contests and just like you, your first look at the course, <laughs> you'd be like, Oof, oh boy. Yeah, and, you're like, and like you said, different distances and, and everything. Yeah. Yeah, and you're just like, okay, I have to turn left. And remember, this one's 83 feet, not 90 feet, <laughs> right. like whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. And there, if you've ever seen like a freestyle jump up close, it's not, you can't see the landings because the yep. lips are so big. Yep. But you have to remember. Yep. Like, okay, oh, was this one 100 feet or was it 75 feet? I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, man. And and I actually missed that. Yeah. I actually missed, like, uh, I, I just recently drove, just like two days ago, drove from Salt Lake. I was dropping my bike off at Nitro World Games for to get on the truck for tour. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of thinking about, like, all the do tours and stuff that we used to do in Salt Lake City and just thinking about, like, how kind of fun it was to show up and that whole night before kind of that anxiety you had in the, uh, yep. because you really didn't know what the course was like. You didn't know if there was going to be how many jumps there was going to be, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, how many of them were going to be dirt jumps, ramps, yeah. what the distances were going to be, what the dirt was going to be like, what the altitude was going to do to your bike. Like, and it was like, as a competitive person, you know, you kind of, I don't know. It's kind of, yep. yeah. it, it's not, it's, that probably doesn't make sense, but it, you kind of look forward to like that kind of excitement, you know? Sure. Yeah. And now you just show up and you're like, eh, 75 foot to landing yeah. and I can do whatever I want. Right, right. Yeah, I know pretty much, right? I mean, like I said, it, it, it's, we all got into this because we're competitive and we we love riding dirt bikes, you know? Um, yeah. Can you do a double backflip? Have you thought about it? Have you tried it? Can you do one? I've never done it on a, on a dirt bike, no. No. Um, I try, you know, like where I live up in up in the Portland area, I there's not a lot. Like I'm literally the only guy that rides freestyle. Yeah. And I've tried, I've tried and tried and tried to get um, guys that I know that have jumping talent that that I kind of felt like probably weren't going to make it, you know, in the racing world, like uh-huh. they're never going to be the next Ryan Dungey or whatever. I'm like, hey man, you, you got some jumping talent. Like, why don't you come out and hit some ramps with me, learn some tricks, and make a little bit of extra money on the weekend? And no, just no one's into it, man. They're like, nope, nope, I'm going to race. <laughs> like, well, what? Uh... You should come out and just try, you know. But like, literally, I don't have places a lot of places up here to just go practice that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, and uh, so if I do want to practice stuff like that, I have to drive to Southern California or Nevada or somewhere where somebody has a phone bed or now an airbag. Yeah. And uh, I just don't, uh, man, I'm so busy. I, yeah, no, I, I don't I, get a chance to go down there that much. Um, it's just nuts with front flips now and double backs and everything else. It's just, uh, you know, it's progressed so much that it's so, it's so scary. It's it's really scary. It's some of these stuff, you know. Not not. And again, yeah, and you know, it it really is. And to be honest with you, once all that stuff started becoming like really relevant in the sport, like double backflips yep. and front flips and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But and, and not to sound materialistic, but the money it's not there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Put yourself at risk like that. Yep. Like it used to be. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, and mm-hmm. honestly, man, there was a time where I would get like fifteen grand in cash to go do one backflip at <laughs> at you know in Spain yeah, or at Italy a, at, at a, yeah. or whatever. Like when when flips first started in two thousand three, like I was right. getting good money just yeah. to go do a forty five foot backflip. <laughs> and now people are like, "Hey, man, we need you to do a double backflip and a front flip, and we'll pay you uh, five hundred extra bucks." Right? Yeah, you're and like, like, no, no. Uh-huh. 
Um, that's how I'm going to pay my, like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. my power bill. Right, right. Whatever. Tenth of, yeah, a tenth of a hospital bill if something goes wrong. Um, what, what, when did you land your first flip to dirt? Where were you? What were you doing? How how, how soon after Hart tried it? At OGO. Oh, okay. okay. Um, yeah, I, Andy Bell, back in the day when he was kind of doing his thing at OGO, yep. um, hit me up. And we were talking about flipping. And he called me. And he's like, hey, man, you got to come down right now. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Like, for what? He's like, dude, you got to come to Salt Lake right now. Uh, we built this step up in the parking lot. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what? There's a fucking step up in a parking lot. Yeah, it sounds what about what about? Bell. It sounds like exactly what Bell would do. By the way, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, totally. And uh, he's like, yeah, come down, man. You, we're gonna, we're gonna learn to flip. And I was like, <laughs> you know, and I think this was 2003, like the very beginning, maybe yeah. late 2002, early 2003. When did Hart do and, his? Ninety uh, nine or something? When did Hart? Do uh, at Gravity Games. Yeah. yeah, it must have been like 2000. Yeah, so I think, so a couple a couple years later, you're 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 learning it. Yeah, and there, there. I think uh, Hart had tried that one, and then Metzger actually did one. Yep. And Caleb Wyatt, of all people, like which no one ever remembers that guy. Um, he was actually the very first one to land it and ride away from it. And I think that was all like two thousand, two thousand one yeah. era. Yeah. So you not not too off, not too soon later, you were doing it. Yeah. So yeah. I went I I went down to OGO and. Uh, you know, Andy was like convinced me. He's like, "Oh, we got this." You know, we put a, put some bark dust up in the parking lot, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Man, just pull back, you'll be fine." Just pull back. Yeah, I, I landed on my yeah, I landed on my head. I think three times, and then uh, figured it out after that. Yeah, and then uh, had to actually drive back home. Uh huh. And um, do it to a just a normal landing, like not a step up with yep. mulch. Yep. And it was, you know, I was pretty nervous about, about over rotating or whatever. Right. Uh-huh. But yeah, it all worked out, man. I came home and did a, you know, built a, built a landing, threw some mulch on it. Yeah. And, uh, did a bunch of them in a row. And, and, next thing I, and like you said, when you get paid that money to go to overseas and do it, that must've been a fun time when you nailed that thing, you got it down easy and, and it, you're one of the only guys that can do it, and promoters are calling, and cash is flowing, and we're still in the X Games, you know, hype, and that must have been a fun time. Oh, it was amazing. I mean, <laughs> it super, was amazing. <laughs> super amazing. Like, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, yeah. Like all those overseas Supercrosses, which I'm sure you were at some of them. You know, I, like I probably I was, yeah. I was trying to think with, before you know, I did this pod. I was trying to think, hey, as, as, as Bo and I ever, have we ever crossed paths? I'm, I'm sure we have, but I couldn't remember. It's been so many Bercy's and so many Geneva's and, and, and all that. I, yeah, like I did Geneva, Supercross, Barcelona, Supercross right. all the time for, for several, several years. Yeah. Hmm. And, man, those were those were some fun times, man. Yeah. That was, uh, was kind of like the golden era for me. You guys always um, were pitted. All the, free, all the freestylers were pitted away from us racers, and we were scared to go over there. We didn't know what was going on with you guys, and so we didn't venture over there very often. <laughs> so yeah, we, we kind of felt the same way. You know, we'd see like all the factory racers. Yeah. Like, oh man, that guy's famous. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, probably shouldn't talk to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, so growing up in the Pacific Northwest, uh, what what part? Portland, basically, Portland. just outside of okay. Portland. Yep. Little town, well, it used to be a little town called Gresham. Okay. It's getting uh, a little bit bigger now, but um, yeah, they grew up, and, and you know, honestly, man, I didn't grow up riding dirt bikes. Oh, you didn't? Okay. Like all the, no, all the traditional sports. Um, I was actually, I think, uh, bred to be a baseball player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, 
Yeah, so I did that my whole life. You know, I, I basically played baseball, football, and I wrestled. Okay. And then, um, so yeah, I, I did actually play a little bit of baseball after high school. And uh, once that, once I knew that wasn't for me and that was done, I bought my first dirt bike at 19 years old. Oh wow! And, uh, okay, so you were just, you were never going to be a motocross racer per se. No, no, never, man. Yeah. And, like I grew up, you know, my dad was a construction worker. Like yep. he didn't own a company or anything. He just worked, right? Yep. And my mom cut hair. Uh, in the back of our house for, uh-huh. you know, like five bucks a haircut. Yeah. And uh, so, like, they, they didn't have the money to do that anyway. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I got to ride a few times as a kid, like cousins' bikes and friends. Like, my neighbor kids had bikes. And, okay. Uh, while they were developing our neighborhood, um, I got to just ride, like, 50s and, you know, 80s and stuff like that. Like, yep. they, they weren't mine. But, right, right. But I fell in love with it. And that's all I wanted to do, man. Like, I'd, I'd seriously be playing baseball, thinking about, like, ooh, that pitcher's mound's kind of big, dude. I bet I could jump a dirt bike off that. Yeah. So and I literally, like, I was obsessed with it. What did you see on TV to guide you towards the freestyle part of it and not the moto part? Well, I think when I started riding, it's, like, right when the first Krusty came out. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right. And I, I grew I, – I watched, you know, Supercross. Like, I watched, like, the whole McGrath thing and yep. the whole, you know, from, like, in the 90s. And that's kind of like right, probably about like ninety, uh, you know, ninety two, ninety three. Okay, is when I started watching the races on TV. Yeah, and I had an uncle that raced actually, so he he had all the dirt bike magazines. And like I said, as a kid, I yeah. got to ride a little bit. Uh huh. So I was just I wanted a motorcycle so bad. It was always and, there for uh, you. Yeah, it was always lurking for you, and all this high school. Yeah, stuff. I just like I got bit by that bug the first time I got on one because it was just like it wasn't structured. It wasn't there was no rules. It wasn't like, well, you have to hit the ball and then you have to run the first base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like I could just go left or I could go right. right or I could do whatever I want, you know, and that, yeah. that seemed like it was so cool to me. <laughs> Your parents are watching these videos, Krusty and Triple X, and they're like, oh, God, oh, man, the chicks yeah. and well, party. They, they actually weren't even in the picture, to be honest with you, man. I, I moved out uh, on my own when I was 18 oh, okay. and, uh, yeah. you know, started working. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played baseball for a little bit, and then I started working, mm-hmm. and... Like I said, man, everything that I did with a motorcycle was on my own. Like, I, I was working construction. Yeah. And uh, my first, I, I can't remember how much so like, that bike was. But When do you start hitting ramps? Who who has a ramp that you hit? How does that work? How, how does it how does it go from Oh, there? that was like a few years later. I, I just rode tracks and uh, okay. rode in sand. I would ride anywhere, man. Like, I would post <laughs> places. I would, there used to be this jail in Portland. Uh-huh. It was, it's like in between two freeways. <laughs> and I would sneak in there all the time because there was all these dirt hills and all like kind of like natural jumps. Yeah, yeah. That were left over, so I would I would sneak in there and like signs posted everywhere like no motorized vehicles, <laughs> no one allowed in here, or whatever. It didn't matter. I yeah. just went in there anyway and would ride. And it got to the point to where like the neighbors would call the cops on me, but the cops had to come in from a certain way. Yeah, yeah. So I would like park on the other side. Yep. So I'd see like you could see them a mile away coming in. Yep. And I would just pin it back to my truck like over at these storage units. And get the hell out of there. <laughs> what was your and first? And then there was like some some other sand pit by the Portland airport where I was doing a job there. And oh, like, wow. I, you know, first yeah. day of the job, I kind of looked across the street and was like, oh, look at all those sand hills. I'm going to start bringing my bike to work. And I would ride there every day after work. Um, That's funny. Uh, what was your first bike? My first bike was a 1990 KX250. 1990 KX250. I had one. I just built one of those yep. a few years ago. Yeah. I saw that. I saw that, man. I was stoked on it because it brought back so many memories. Yeah, no, that's cool. 
Race Tech Suspension and Engines, people. Pulpum X18 is the code to save. Breaking through the limitations of OEM designs, Race Tech specializing in high-performance suspension, parts, service, and setups, modifying stock suspension components to perform at the highest level. Discover why more top privateers trust Race Tech, guys like the HEP Suzuki team, and many more in the pits use Race Tech for their suspension and engines mods. Pulpum X18, you can save using the code. Please check them out, racetech.com. Do it. Maxxis Tires. From your bike to your truck and almost everything with wheels in between, Maxxis Tires will have you hooking up, pulling the whole shot, and beating your competition. One of the world's most trusted tire brands, Maxxis delivers high-quality tire products that perform no matter what the terrain or conditions. If you don't believe me, just ask the king, Jeremy McGrath. So, you, yeah, and actually... You, you so when does the free like who 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 has you hit a ramp first? Where are you? What are you doing? Where you're like, yeah, screw the motocross so, thing. I got that bike. Yep. And uh, long story short, I broke a clutch cable or something like throttle cable, clutch cable, something stupid. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I was living in a part of town. Um, like I said, I was living on my own. Yep. Uh, there was a Honda shop right right up the street from where I lived. So just being an idiot, like not knowing anything about anything, I went in there and was like, "Hey, uh, do you guys have one of these?" <laughs> it's like like this. It's like a clutch cable or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it was probably one of the greatest things I've, I'd ever done in my whole career is just go in there as a stupid kid and ask them <laughs> if they could match it up or if they had that part. Yeah. Because that I ended up as I got better. They they had something that, that ended up working, like, you know, yeah, some right. Honda cable matched my, you know, yeah. it worked. So anyway, uh, they were like, well, it's this much, but do you race? They were really, really good about helping out local racers. Uh-huh. Like, they'd give you, like, the, yeah. you know, quote-unquote racer discount. And I was like, well, not yet, but I really want to. And uh, they were like, well, there's a race up in Woodland, Washington this Sunday, you know, if, if you know, if you're a racer, man, we'll give you a discount. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm a racer. I'm going this Sunday. <laughs> I'm a racer. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And so anyway, I they gave me the discount. I went up there. I started racing. And uh, I there's I have so many funny stories about that day. It would take two hours to tell them all. But um, anyway, I started racing. Those guys were super rad. Helped me out. Uh, would give me a discount. And you know when you're like, you know, an 18, 19-year-old kid. Yeah. Any, if you could save a dollar on something, oh, yeah. you're going to do it. Yeah. So, uh, I, I just kept going there to those guys and I ended up getting a job there, which <laughs> nice. didn't last very long because I ended up like buying more stuff than, than right. what I was making. I, I did the know? same thing so, when I worked uh, at a Honda dealer when I was a kid. I did the same yep. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, those guys stuck with me. And then as I got better and better and better, and I became a professional freestyle rider, they, they, they were my biggest sponsor for the hugest part of my career. And, uh, unfortunately, oh, cool. that dealership got bought out by someone who owned a car lot because it was a car lot as well. And they got rid of the dirt bike shop. So it's no longer around. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Wow. Uh, yeah. I just raced for like two years, man. And I'm not kidding you. Like I told you after work, yeah. every single day I would ride rain or shine, yeah, snow, yeah. hail. It didn't right. matter. I was riding, <laughs> just trying to get better. Do you ever go to uh, and, uh, you ever I, go to Longview? Mountain view, yeah. mountain view. I mean, 
Mountain View. That's that's my track, man. Yeah. That's my local track here. I love that place. And I, uh, if you've ever seen any of my Instagrams, like my Whip It Wednesdays, like uh, most of them are from Mountain View. Oh, okay. Yeah, I used to live in Astoria a little bit. I worked for a privateer from Oregon named Ty Birdwell. Oh, so yeah. so I stayed out in Oregon, out in Astoria a lot, and we went go we go to Mountain View. So um, yeah, Mountain View's awesome, man. Uh wow. So that's how it kind of started, and then. What's your first – so, okay, so lead me to the ramps to doing a contest for the first time. Yeah, so I I was getting good. I got, like, pretty good. <laughs> right. Well, you're riding every day, Bamberg. You're riding every single day. Yeah, within, <laughs> within two years, I was, like – I was pretty good locally, right? Yeah. And so uh, I, I started – I raced some arena cross, the PJ1 series back in the day. Okay. And I got to the point to where I was like, you know, where I could do that. And uh, I just, I couldn't afford it though, man. I had zero money. Right. Literally, like, I, I wasn't eating dinner some nights because I was like, well, I could go to Taco Bell or like get the cheapest fast food, whatever, that I could find. Yeah. Or I could put that $5 in my bike tomorrow to yeah, ride yeah. after work. Right. Well, it wasn't even a question. You know, I was yeah. like, well, I'm riding 100%. Right. So luckily I had a girlfriend at the time that I'd be like, Hey, if you're coming over, grab me a bean burrito from Taco Bell. They're 89 cents. I'll pay you back someday. (laughs) So that's literally how I ate dinner. And you know, it was writing that that took precedence over eating or Uh, everything, even gas in my truck or anything like whatever. It didn't matter. So it got to the point where I was racing and doing this and that locally. And and I did a couple of the PJ one series and, uh, I couldn't afford it anymore. The last one I did, um, I got hurt. And the only reason I was really doing those is so I could do the jump contest because the jump contest paid 500 bucks. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So and now you're like, now million, the, the wheels are spinning. dollars to me back then. Right, right. And uh, so, I was, you know, I, I was like, I know, because I, as I practiced and as I was riding and screwing around, I would try tricks because I love the crusty movies. Mm-hmm. I'd see Metzger doing heel clickers and, you know, Clowers doing can-cans and, like, all that stuff. You know, Deegan and Linkov, all those dudes, right? Yeah. From those early videos yep. just doing, just, you know, simple tricks. But I was like, oh, that looks fun. And so as I was practicing, I would do that stuff. And uh, I, I, tricks came pretty easily to me. So I kind of learned them. I kind of kept up with everything that I would see in the videos or in the magazines. The flying Hawaiian. Everything that was going on. The flying yeah, Hawaiian. Exactly. He, like was... he was doing Cordovas. Yeah. As soon as I saw him do that, I would go learn it. And, um, you know, luckily that stuff kind of came easy. And once uh, I saw the very first contest where they used ramps, you know, I was a construction guy. Yeah. So I was like, dude, I could build one of those. Like I could build a ramp. And I literally built my first ramp out of steel studs, like you would frame a building or a house with. Oh, really? Okay. And plywood. Yeah. And then I like put sand in the paint to paint the surface, and that's what I learned on. I put it at my buddy's house where yeah. I was practicing. Uh huh. I met this awesome family, like this kid at the track, just saw me doing heel clickers and stuff on the tabletop. He's like, "Hey, I got a track. You should come up." And uh, so I went up there and they had this just amazing like private track mm-hmm. up in Sandy, Oregon. And I, you know, I would do tricks up there and I was finally just like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to build a ramp. And so I kind of built a ramp just guessing, like, I'm like, eh, it's about eight feet tall. It's about this steep, whatever. 
and we had no idea like the numbers. My dad helped me with it. He he was he was really good at like just kind of eyeballing. Like he's like, well, I think it's this, you know. Yeah, I think yeah. it's about a thirty foot radius with a little flat on the on the top of it. And yeah, we oh, built geez. a ramp. And uh, <laughs> nice. so I just built a ramp, built a landing up there, and started practicing tricks. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, yeah. Fast forward to I got hurt in the arena cross series, and um, the promoter that was running the arena cross series for Pace or SFX or whatever it was back whatever, then, yeah. you know, in the nineties, late nineties. Yeah. He, I think it was the year 2000, actually, and he hit me up and was like, hey, are you going to make it to the next round or make, you know, whatever? And I was like, no, I, I, I'm done, man. I right. I, can't, I don't have any money. I'm <laughs> broke. I can't afford it. Uh, I don't have anyone help me out. And he's like, well, you're really good at jumping. Why don't you jump over to our freestyle thing? Okay. And I was like, yeah. that's amazing. Like, of course, I want to do that. Like, yeah. Great. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you get paid no matter what. Like, last place pays 500 bucks. <laughs> I was like, perfect. Sign me up. Right. And so, anyway, yeah, I jumped over to, uh, I, I made a couple calls. Uh, I had to send them a video of my tricks. Okay. And uh, they got, a, like, full-on VHS tape, man. Like, I'm not kidding you. I, like, taped over some VHS show my mom had. <laughs> like, it was Oprah or something, you know what I mean? And it's hilarious. There's actually a video floating around of the the video that I sent in. Oh, really? To, to uh, which is now, um, it was Pace and SFX. Now yeah. it's, you know, yeah. it was Clear Channel and now, you know, whatever. <clears throat> so the video is actually out there somewhere. And <laughs> during one part, the tracking gets so bad on it, you actually see, like, the Oprah show. During, <laughs> Your during mom's track. Oprah show. <laughs> it's, that, it's that bad. I'm not kidding you. So anyway, they saw that and they invited me in, man. They invited me to Who, tour. Um, who's, like, hey, who's with you? Who's 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 doing it with you? What what names are there? Anybody that we know? Um, back in the day, man, it was like like Kenny Bartram was there. Oh yeah, Cowboy uh, like Kenny Flowers, um, Trevor Vines. Uh, Trevor from wherever, the Tomcat. Trevor from wherever, yeah, like all those guys, man, like all those original dudes. Right, right. Oh, they cool. were all there, and we're all doing the IFMA tour, and then like a bunch of guys that kind of came and went quick, yeah. you know, due to injuries and, and you know, whatever else. Oh, um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, so I showed up, I got to practice, and back in the day, you know, like people, I don't think that a lot of those guys didn't take it as seriously. Uh-huh. So like I, they were like practice starts at you know say ten o'clock or whatever. Uh-huh. So I was there at like nine o'clock ready. Like oh dude, I, this is my opportunity. <laughs> I'm gonna show these guys. Like yeah, you're like I'm I making money. I was gonna be there yeah. practicing. Like yeah, Andy Bell was there. Like he was doing the IFMA series back then. And uh, and uh, so I, I showed up and I was ready. And they're like oh well no one else is here. Like none of those guys. Like they were all rock stars <laughs> back then. You know what I mean? So like nobody showed up for practice. On right. Time. Right. And I was, like, the only one there. So, like, go ahead and practice. Like, it's, it's all you, man. <laughs> so I went out and practiced and did a bunch of tricks and uh, oh, that's ended cool. up getting into the contest. Right. And I think I made the finals that night. Like, I, I probably got, like, you know, I think they took seven or eight people into the finals. And I think I got, like, seventh or eighth. Right. And, uh, yeah, ever since, man, they're like, hey, you know, you want to go to Salt Lake or Denver yeah. or whatever next week? And I was like, well, I don't know how I'm going to get there, but, uh, <laughs> like, hell yeah. Right. And you were off. That was it. And I was off, man. I've been doing it ever since. Two strokes and four strokes, obviously, in racing. It's lots of things to uh, to 
get into and talk about and controversies and thoughts. What about for freestyle? What about for freestyle? I mean, what? Obviously, you ride a four-stroke now, but would you be? Yeah, I. Uh, the only reason I switched, to be honest with you, I, I loved my two strokes. The only reason I switched is because Honda stopped making them, mm-hmm. and the last two events that I did overseas, the bike that they got for me to ride was such a roach that I wouldn't ride it. Was that bad? And they yeah. just couldn't. They were like, they were like, we can't get a new one. Like, we can't get a, a decent shape one <laughs> yeah, for yeah. you. That's it. And the the last event that I went to was in Chile, and uh, I showed up with all my stuff from my CR250, and the bike that they brought, it looked like someone just did like a 24 hour race on it, <laughs> and like didn't even wash it or yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not kidding you. Every gasket in the carburetor was leaking. The oh, pipe boy. had a hole in it. <laughs> like I was like, I'm not, I'm not riding that thing. And the promoter was cool. He understood. Uh huh. Because I did a show in Mexico right before then, where same thing. I'm like, I'm not. There's no way I'm not riding that bike. Yeah. They wanted me to, you know, do backflips and stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not. There's no way I'm riding that thing. <laughs> so the promoter in Chile was cool, man. Yeah. It, it was like at a some national race they had down there. It was like a rally car race, motocross race, and freestyle show. And the promoter was like, no problem. I, there's no way I want you to ride that bike. Here's your money. So he gave me all my money. Oh, nice. I was like, well, dude, I'm stuck here for two days. Uh, why don't you go over to the Honda team and see if I can borrow a 450 and I'll, I'll race the race. Yeah, yeah. Something, there's something to do. I don't want to sit here for two days. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, okay. And he, they wheel over a brand new 450. Like, the, like it was an 09, the first yeah, yeah, the fuel injected 450. Right. And I was like, really? Like, okay, like I'll go just motor the track. Like, this will be fun. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, I was in no shape to like go try to race a national or whatever. But like, I was like, yeah, I don't care. I just want to do something while I'm here. I'm stuck here for two days. And yeah. I want to do something. So he's like, yeah, go ahead. Go do some laps on it. See what you think about it. <laughs> and uh, so I took it out. And I did a couple laps on it, and the ramp was just kind of sitting out in the middle of the track, you know, yeah. like by the big grandstands. Uh-huh. And uh, so I kind of like was coming around this section, and I saw the ramp, and I'm like, you know what? This thing feels awesome. I'm just going to see what happens. <laughs> like, I'm just going to hit the ramp on it and see yeah. what happens. And uh, so, yeah, I just turned the corner and hit the ramp, and I was like, man, this thing's amazing. Like, the suspension is obviously soft, for, yeah. you know, freestyle, but I made it work. And uh, so I was like, you know what, dude? I'm just going to do the show on this bike. I mean, I can't do any seat grabs or anything like that, but mm-hmm. I can whip it. I can flip it. I can, you know, do everything where you don't need to grab the seat, right? Yep, yep. So I ended up doing the show on that thing and came home, sold all my two strokes, and <laughs> bought that was it. all four strokes just so I could have a fresh bike when I travel overseas. Right. Yeah, easy to get for everybody, right. Yeah, and since I've been riding four strokes, I just fell in love with them because I, I love showing up to, you know, like Denver or Colorado Springs or somewhere with altitude. You don't have to no. mess with anything. You just start the thing and does it on its own. Hmm. Yeah, no, you're like, right. It was always yep. stressful when I was on two strokes, like traveling with all my oh, for sure. And, you know, trying <laughs> to figure that thing out and, you know, like, what, what else do we have? What, you know, what's the temperature? <laughs> what kind of gas is this? You know, What like, altitude whatever. are we at? Like, right, um, yeah, you have to jet everything according to that, and I was man. Right. I do. I like just putting gas in my bike and riding it. You know. Um, hey, so one th- one of the reasons we talked at Washougal uh, on the this is the Fly Racing Racer X 
podcast presented by Maxis and uh, and Alpine Stars, by the way. Um, one of the things we talked about at Washugal was uh, uh, because you played the national anthem there. You've done it at Supercross before. You're a terrific guitar player by by everything I hear. Uh, how did that come oh, thank about? You. How how did that? Well, mostly Lars. Just Lars tells me that. Um, yeah. <laughs> how how did it come up? How did it? How did you start? You know, practicing guitar and getting good at it. And did you ever join any bands, or did you ever think about taking that farther? Yeah. Well, I started playing guitar. I um, it goes back to when I was a little kid. Honestly, I'm not kidding, man. When I say this, one of my very first memories was being at my cousin's house, and I have a I have some cousins that are about and they're all quite a bit older than me. They're about 10 years older than me. Mm-hmm. And so they were like early teens or something like that. You know, when I was, when I was, you know, I must've been three or four years old. Yeah. And I remember seeing a poster out of like hit parader or, you know, one of those <laughs> like circus, or circus, circus or something. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Of Eddie Van Halen on the wall of my cousin's room with that striped guitar. And I just remember just being like, I I don't even know if I'd heard Van Halen by then. Yeah. But I just thought that looked cool, man. I was like, I don't know what it was, but that the red and the you know white and black striped guitar just something spoke to me about that. And so I loved music, man. Like growing up, I loved music. Uh, I always wanted to play guitar. I heard guitar, and I thought it would be so cool to be able to do that. Just seeing rock stars on TV, you yeah. know, MTV or whatever. I thought it'd be so rad to play guitar. Right. Well, kind of going back to my parents really not having much money, you know, they, they, you know, guitars aren't cheap. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could buy cheap guitars, but it, it just, you know, they were like, no, you're playing sports, you're playing baseball, you're playing football, you're doing yeah. this. Yeah. So anyway, in eighth grade, I got to take a class at school. It was just like a beginner guitar class where they taught you how to kind of read like single note mm-hmm. stuff on guitar. You played a little nylon string, like cheap guitars. Well, as soon as I got one in my hand, I was like, I fell in love with it. Uh, just just making the noise, like making an actual, like yeah, playing yeah. a song, you're like figuring that out. Like that was amazing to me. And so that class ended, I think. So fast forward a couple of years until well, I was 16. And I just begged, I was like, all I want for my birthday, that's all I want is a guitar. Like, uh-huh. give me a guitar, please. That's all I wanted. And my dad got me uh, like a just a super cheap like beginner uh it was a fender strap copy okay um it was called a memphis i don't even know <laughs> okay, like yeah, where yeah. they're made it's probably made in china right who knows where but um got me that in a little tiny fender like 10 watt practice amp and uh since that day i was obsessed you know i would sit in my room i i, I got the worst grades in high school <laughs> because i wouldn't do my homework i would just pick up the guitar and yeah play guitar and try to learn anything i could whether it was right or wrong or whatever i would hear something and to try to like figure out and, and there's no way i was playing that stuff right because i've learned all that stuff since but just the fact of like i was making noise that sounded like yeah. van halen or metallica or whatever or led zeppelin I was I was obsessed with it, and then luckily I had a neighbor who was actually who's still a professional musician to this day. Okay, and he took lessons, and it was just it's one of those things that he had that natural ability, like it was in him, right? Like someone that's good at math, you know, yeah. you just have that in yep. you. Yep, yep. And he taught me so much stuff, like taught me you know basic chords and and you know how to actually play the songs, and and that's when it kind of took off for me, and then. 
you know, like I said, I work construction during all the summers in between high school, starting when I was 15. And every bit of my first money that I ever made went to buying guitar stuff and like better amps, better yeah, guitars, yeah. Yeah. whatever. And I, uh, yeah, I've been obsessed with it ever since I still to this day am. Yeah. And, uh, it all comes, it all comes down to like, I think just seeing that poster of Eddie Van Halen when I was like three or four years old. Yeah. It's crazy. So did you ever think about being in a band or anything or doing anything like that? I had a band. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And we, uh, were basically just like an Alice in Chains cover band. Okay. Because that, you know, it was during the whole, it was in, during yeah. the nineties, you yep. know, the whole grunge thing right. that we played every Alice in Chains song. Uh, we played like some Metallica stuff. Uh, we would like do some jams that were just like ours. Like come up with our own stuff, and what's funny is like the other guitar player, which was my buddy that taught me, and okay. the drummer from that band are still like kicking ass in music. Like around, you know, the my the guitar player buddy, he moved to Chicago, and he's put out a couple records and still, oh, wow. still playing music. Oh, this cool! Day. And our drummer in that band is like one of the most sought after drummers in the Portland area. Oh, wow. Um, so they're still doing yeah, it. Yeah, they're still they're doing still it. Kicking ass and, and, and doing great things. And you're back flipping <laughs> yeah. on a dirt bike. Yeah, we had a band, and then, uh, you know, after school, after everybody got out of school, we all kind of went our separate ways. I yeah. fell in love with the motocross thing and, right. and uh, kind of put the guitar down for a couple of years while I was concentrating on motocross. But, and then once I, once I started doing the freestyle thing, actually, because that's when I started actually making a little bit of money mm-hmm. to where I could, you know, eat pay my rent and whatever else that's once I got a little bit extra money, I really got back into the guitar thing. I could buy, you know, like the stuff to, yeah, to get, to get um, better. And I had a little extra time and I, I could actually play again. Something we have in common is uh, a love for Van Halen. You mentioned Eddie and the poster and your bike is done up red, black and, and white, like the stripes of his guitar and his 5150 amps and, and all of that is his sort of colors. He's changed it over the years, but he, I think he went back to it recently. Um, yeah, just you love Van Halen. I love Van Halen. I, I'm more of a Sammy guy, which you are too, I guess, from talking to you a little bit. Um, but I absolutely love Sammy. But uh, to me, like, I don't – I mean, I guess he does get a lot of respect, Eddie does, but there's nobody who's ever sounds like him, and even to this day, no one sounds like Eddie Van Halen playing the guitar. It just, it just doesn't. It, there's some guys who come close, and there's guys on YouTube who can kind of copy it, but uh, Sammy's own guy, uh, Dick Johnson, that he travels with, does an okay job at it, but you want to talk about a guy that's just an amazing guitarist and trendsetter and, and, and pioneer of guitar playing. It's Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, they, they broke the mold with him. Um, it doesn't, yeah, for me personally, like it doesn't get any better. Yeah. Um, it, he changed like, you know how people talk about how Hendrix changed things or yeah. whatever. Well, the next step was Eddie changed how the instrument was played. Yeah. And it hasn't been the same since. And I mean, just how inventive he is. And, you know, he's like a mad scientist. Everything that he did was out of kind of necessity of what he wanted, but it it wasn't available. Like the stuff that he wanted wasn't available. So he came up with ways to do. Yeah. I didn't know this. You told himself. me this. It was more. He was a tinkerer with amps and guitars, and I didn't really realize that. You know, there was a lot of that going on with him. Yeah, like no one had ever put like a humbucking pickup, like uh, you know, like it was in a Gibson in a guitar with a with a tremolo system, like the whammy bar uh-huh. kind of thing, until he did it. 
uh, he didn't like the way his pickup sounded, so he would rewind them himself. He didn't like how they were getting feedback, so he would like he figured out like I can dip these in wax, and that might like <laughs> change that might help with the feedback. Yeah, uh, he would like turn the turn the ball of the string as he was tuning it, so it wouldn't get bound up in anything. There'd be less tension on it and like less friction on the nut. And yeah, there's just so many things that, that you know, there's so many things that he came up with, and just like you know, everybody knows him for like eruption and his crazy solo. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. I mean, songwriting is just insane. Yeah. Like, I don't think he gets enough credit for his rhythm playing and the, just the riffs that he like, how many Van Halen riffs like that you, you hear the first two notes of it and you're like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Van Halen, I know what this is. And really he was the first guy to start finger tapping right down the neck that nobody was doing that really. Were yeah, they? I mean, people, people had done that before. Oh, had they? Okay. Like single note stuff. Yeah. Yep. Like they they just couldn't reach a fret or whatever, and they so they would hit that hit that note with their right hand, but nobody ever wrote like a melodic yeah <laughs> song out of that <laughs> out you know of the I whole mean? thing, like, right? Yeah, where you could actually tap and like keep it going. Like a lot of people, like even Hendrix did it, Brian May I think did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, I mean, you know, you get on YouTube, man, and there there's a million videos of like, well, this guy did it first. This yeah, guy yeah, did yeah. It first. Like yeah. There's some ukulele player from the twenties that was doing it. You know what I mean? But he didn't do it like he did it. He didn't right. write a song out of it. He was just hitting an extra note. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was, uh, like Eddie figured out how to like make melodies and write songs with that, which is, that's insane, yeah. man. It's, it's, he, he changed the way the instrument was played. And I think when they got Sammy, when David Lee left the band, they got Sammy. Now there was an artist on the level of Eddie that could play guitar with lyrics, you know, and they finally almost like a, a genius met a genius, you know what I mean? And, and, and that's why I think they just took it to the next level. Uh, and for me oh, anyways, sure. I mean, Eddie stuff, a DLR stuff is good. You can hear it. It's, it's all right, but it's, 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 it's bubblegum stuff compared to what, you know, the deeper stuff that Sammy and, and Eddie made in my opinion. Yeah. It was a lot more complex for sure. Yeah. And there was like several guitar parts like that stuff, the early Van Halen stuff is so raw. Yeah. And I tend to gravitate more towards that when I'm playing guitar because as just one guy playing guitar, you can play that whole song by yeah, yourself. Right. When you got into the Sammy stuff, there's like all kinds of backing tracks and yeah, Dub, and overdubs. It's, it's a and lot stuff, yeah. more complex. It really is. And I, I haven't even learned like a lot of the Sammy stuff because it's actually a lot harder. Yeah. To pull off than the early, the early stuff where it was literally just Ed playing guitar in the studio live. Yeah. Like he recorded, I think that whole entire first album live in one take. <laughs> really? Yeah. Each song. And I don't know how many takes they did of each song. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. each song was just him playing. Right. Right. And right. The only backing track on that first album is during running with the devil. I think during the solo, there's actually the rhythm guitar part playing as well. Right. But everything else was just him playing guitar through the song. Yeah, it does sound like it was recorded in a garage or something. Like, it's the way it is. It's raw. It's very raw. It's first super one. raw. Yeah. And I mean, people still to this day can't, like, everybody chases that tone. You know, yeah. what what was dubbed or, you know, the brown sound or whatever. But he, everybody tries to get that tone and you, nobody, nobody can do it. I, uh... Yeah, for me, I was listening to a song called Seven Se- Seventh Seal off of Balance the other day. Oh, yeah. And I'm yeah. like, this is amazing. And no one heard it. It wasn't a single. No one has any idea. And it's just amazing. It's just, it's so good. Uh, and you're just like, wow, he just came up with this. This is like a throwaway track in, in this in this, in this this disc, you know? And, and it's great. Yeah. So. And there's, oh, there, I mean, there's, you know, I I could go on and on and on about how great 
that band is. But, uh, yeah. you know, the one thing I, we talked about and, and I've seen, you know, I've seen them with Dave recently you yeah. know, on the last couple of tours. Yeah. And Sammy, man, I don't care. What, I'll argue, I'll fight to the death of anybody that says that Sammy sucks or whatever. Can, dude, he can sing, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's Sammy incredible. Sammy can still sing. He still sings. He still pulls it off. And Dave can't. He, has, he hasn't been able to pull it off. No. No. It, it's, I, I saw them on uh, The Inconvenient Truth, the first thing. I didn't see them the second time around. Uh, I was... Well, actually, I saw them on that disaster tour with Sammy when Eddie was a wreck. And even me, a guy who does not play guitar, does not know much about guitar, could tell Eddie was not good. He wasn't He wasn't making a lot of sense. The songs didn't sound the same. Uh, I saw them on the Inconvenient. Yeah, it was dark times I yeah. think, for him, man. He was, he was pretty... Uh... He was jacked up. And then yeah, I saw him on good. I saw him on the Inconvenient Truth and Eddie was good, but David Lee ruined the whole thing for me. I'm like, this guy can't sing. He's he's just yeah. talking the words. He cannot sing anymore. Um and, and but Eddie was much better. So I'm like, Well, okay, that, there's that, you know. Yeah, when uh they did that first tour with Dave, um Feld actually I was doing the New Gilly Cowboys tour at that time mm-hmm. and Feld got me for my birthday third row tickets at Madison Square Garden. Oh wow. That's and so yeah. uh yeah, me and a guy that worked for Feld went uh, and watched them at Madison Square Garden. And uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, just being the craziest fan in the world. And I'd, I'd seen them in Portland just before that because uh-huh. um, they went from Portland and then to the East Coast or whatever. So right. I, I'd seen them before that. And both times I was just in awe watching Ed play. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's, but, yeah. It's... Dave, Dave kind of ruined it for me too, man. To be honest <laughs> with you. And I mean, yeah. I love the early stuff. I yeah. love the albums. Dave's a thinking character. Yep. He's out of his mind crazy, but he's also a genius. But he couldn't pull it off, man. Yeah. He really couldn't pull it off anymore. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, you just listen to fifty one fifty, the song fifty one fifty, and you're just like, this is brilliant. Yeah. This is brilliant here. These these the guitar, the the rhythms, the Sammy stuff. It's just it's amazing. Or or why can't this be love? I thought that was pretty pretty unique for the sound of it. You know, for the song, it was just like, what is he doing on that? You know. So yeah, and that's the thing too. Like a lot of people get pissed when they're like, "Oh, he's playing keyboards on it." Well, he's damn good at it. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like he could play the fucking violin, and he's still going to be good at it. It's still yeah. going to be Ed playing. Like, who cares what he's yeah. doing? It's him playing music. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, just appreciate it. I've always appreciated you having the the Ed graphics on all your bikes, all your helmets, and everything. It's been pretty. pretty yeah, cool. man, that's <laughs> been my dream since I very very first started riding. Because, like I said, I've been obsessed with that pattern. I don't know what it is, but I've been obsessed with that. Like, all my PT folders and, you know, whatever, in high school. Like, dude, I painted a set of Converse, with a red Converse with black and white stripes. Yeah. Like, when I saw Ed and, you know, like the 1984 or, like, whatever, like a Hot for Teacher video or whatever it was, when he first had those uh, Converse that were striped. So, right. Dude, I did that in high school, too. Like, I was obsessed with that shit. And, at, like, I'm not kidding you, man. Like, before, like, I started writing, and I was a professional in freestyle before there was, like, graphics companies making custom stuff. Yeah. yeah so t- my dream was always, dude, always to have a, a red bike with black and white stripes. <laughs> and um, yeah, t- I had a couple graphics deals that I had to run um, earlier in my career. Uh-huh. And my i always said man hey the very second this goes south or i don't have a graphic sponsor or i don't have to run someone's shrouds i'm doing a van halen bike like that's been my dream forever and uh so the very second man my my graphics deal went away or my you know sponsor went away to right. my shroud yep i called up my buddy dustin nowak 
who had his own graphics company at the time called Resin. And I was like, look, dude, can you do this for me? Can you make this happen? Yeah. He, he was pumped on it. And I think he had like a, a draw or like a mock-up of what I wanted. We were on the phone back and forth, like for an hour. And he's like, Oh, what about this? And I'm like, okay, yeah, but try this. And so I actually had two different sides on my bike. One, one shroud and one side of my bike was an actual picture of Ed's Frankenstein guitar kind of close up. Like you could see the pickups, uh-huh. the strings, the, the tremolo. You could see everything in the graphics. It was really cool. And then the other side was just the stripes. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And, so and we then came yeah. up with that and yeah, man, I've been running that ever since. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it'd be nice to have somebody be like, Hey, we'll give you a bunch of money to run our, yeah. run our graphics or whatever. But it's kind of my thing now, so. Um, no, it is for sure. And Tech One, Jamie at Tech One first told me about it years ago when they were on our on our Pulp Show. He was making yeah, some stuff yeah. for you, too. Like I said, yeah. the very first person to, to do that for me was uh, Dustin Nowak. Yeah, that's awesome. And we, we were kind of just on the phone one night, and he came up and, and made some rad stuff. He actually made, uh, you know, the Van Halen logo, the actual right. circled one, like the Sammy logo. Yeah, the Sammy yep. logo right. with, like, the the curve yep. so he instead of the vh he put the bb in there for me and uh <laughs> you know it's still kind of like Your my thing, my thing. Yeah. and i just do it as a tribute because i'm such a crazy van halen fan yeah it's uh it's amazing they only made only made four discs for sammy and then they were done that's it we're out four discs and a couple of songs and and you know um but and then the stuff with dave obviously it's still holds up man still still really good i know we sound like a bunch of fanboys on this but it's just it's been the soundtrack oh, it for I me yeah. i'm 100 yeah. a fanboy um what what songs what songs do you look at that eddie does or is there a particular song or two that you look at and you're like i could never play that i could never be that good is there is there something like that uh, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, mean just you, to play it's one thing, man. You know what I mean? Just yeah. to play it. Like anybody, like you, you get on YouTube and you see a six-year-old playing Eruption. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. But you get, like, he wrote that. That shit came from his head. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yep. to, just to come up with that. Like, there's, there's a million shredders out there, man. Like, right. guys that can do the math with their fingers. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's yeah. Kind of what yeah they can is. move their fingers fast enough and do that, but they can move their fingers and hit the notes and whatever. They can make it sound right. But mm-hmm. he wrote that shit out of his heart, you know, or out of his brain or yeah. wherever it came from. Wherever. I mean, and, that's like, and if you read, uh, you know, if you read Hagar's biography, it just seemed like their studio behind Ed's house was a disaster zone. Guitars everywhere. Cigarette oh, ashes yeah. everywhere. And he's just, yeah, like literally like a mad scientist, right? Like, like just, <laughs> coming up with stuff. yeah if you've ever seen pictures of that place you know it's just it looks like chaos but right. i mean that's he's a genius he really is he's like yeah you know what uh you know tesla was or einstein was or whatever yeah music. yeah yeah or, or you know raising the game like Stu did in motocross or pastrana in, in freestyle or whatever you know Same, that, yeah that kind of game changer like a real game changer yeah um well cool man hey thanks uh thanks for the time appreciate it I, I, we bonded over our love of Ed Haley. You did a sweet national anthem with a Top Gun uh, outro as the Jets flew over at Washougal. That was sweet. Yeah, man, I had that was to. awesome. The, um, the Jets kind of interrupted my my uh, anthem right in the middle there, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, I, you just I switched off with something. Like, <laughs> but but did you think about that beforehand, or did were you like, I think I can squeeze a Top Gun in here? Yeah, well, no, I just you know whenever I. Dude, you know, I'm I'm old man. Like <laughs> I grew up with Top Gun, that right. was like the baddest ass movie ever. Yeah. I love that shit. And uh you know, anytime I see a jet, the 
that's the very first thing that pops in my head. Oh, there goes Maverick. <laughs> Iceman and, Ice Ice and Maverick, yeah, yeah. Anytime I see a jet, I, I think of Top Gun. <laughs> well, I thought, so, that, uh, I thought that was really clever. I'm like, is that Top Gun? I'm like, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Oh, yeah, man. so those dudes flew over. I was kind of hoping that, like, because we actually, I actually had to time my, uh, my national anthem the day before, like, quite a few times. Okay. Had to time me on it. Yep. To, to, to know when to send the jets. And uh, I was kind of hoping they would, like, we would have timed it right. Because my, actually, my anthem was perfectly on time with how I practiced it before, like the day before. But I think they were just early, you know. I mean, it's hard to judge yeah. time when you're going <laughs> yeah. 700 miles an hour. Or yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, it's not, not totally um, perfect. Yeah, I, th- I thought it would be, I just kind of thought it would be cool, like, right when they flew over if I just ripped into the Top Gun anthem. <laughs> but, uh Awesome. You know, they, they they came a little early, but it still worked out. Like, yeah. I got a lot of cool responses, and, like, people were pumped on it. And they're yeah. like, dude, those top gun. Like, oh, you know, the older <laughs> guys like us, you know. Like, the younger people are like, what the hell was that? <laughs> I thought I thought it was rad. That's for sure. Um, yeah, well, that's cool. Well, I did it for us, man. <laughs> good. Good to know. Uh, well, hey, Bo Bamberg, thank you for the time on the podcast, Fly Racing, Racer X Podcast, presented by Alpine Stars and Maxis, of course. Um and, uh, man, I really appreciate it. It's a real cool story. Good luck with Nitro and all of that. And uh, really, really neat to dive into your backstory on, on how you got started. And everybody's got this cool story on how they got into it. And, and, and yours is uh, just one another one of those. So uh, thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it, too. And uh, be sure and let everybody know, man, we're, we're starting this Nitro Circus. Um, you got this tour coming up this weekend in Montreal. Okay. And, uh, I know there's still tickets available. You know they're going fast, but right. uh, try to try to get a ticket, man. Bring the family out. It's a great family show. It, it really is. I've um, been to two of them. They're phenomenal. They're great. They ne- it never stops. It just doesn't stop. It's great. Yeah, you're not going to see that much action in you know two hours in any other show. I guarantee yeah. it. And it's real, man. It's like real guys risking their life just to entertain you. So <laughs> come on out and check it out, man. Check out check out tickets and uh, and Travis Pastrana. Check out the schedule. NitroCircus.com and Pastrana riding uh, MX Donations. Of course he is. On yeah. A two- <laughs> What's he going to ride, man? Did, did you see uh, his post? Did yeah. He ride the 2002? Or? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, he's, yeah, whatever. <laughs> he's, he's Pastrana, <laughs> man. He's, he's one of a kind, for sure. Uh, yeah. Well, cool. Thanks, Bo. Thanks for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing. He's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, it, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. 
I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. Absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, you know. And I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey, hey.